we are really the frontline initiative that engages all stakeholders in sustainability because you can now power your building and your footsteps will make that difference. So we really allow people to make a difference in climate change through through their simple act of, of walking. Welcome to today's podcast from Nature 2030, an international campaign bringing together business, governments and the third sector to work together on the environmental challenges of this decade. I'm John Higginson, the founder of purpose-driven communications agency Higginson Strategy and your host today. These podcasts are part of our quest to bring together international activists, politicians, business and thought leaders to focus on solutions to the climate and environmental crisis. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by clean energy entrepreneur Lawrence Kemble Cook. Lawrence is the founder and CEO of PaveGen, a clean tech company which manufactures a flooring system that instantly converts kinetic energy from football into off-grid electricity and data. That's energy from walking on the pavement. Lawrence set up PaveGen in 2009. Since then, the company has expanded across 30 companies and won numerous awards. Through his work with PaveGen, Lawrence has collaborated with the world's most iconic companies, including Adidas, Coca-Cola and Formula E. He's a regular speaker at climate and innovation conferences and joined the last British Prime Minister on a trade mission to China. Welcome, Lawrence. Tell us a bit about your background, Lawrence. Yeah, so my background started out as uh, I was an engineer studying at Loughborough University and I was studying industrial design and technology. And, and during my time there, um, I really got fascinated around sustainability and the, the impact a designer could have. Um, I believe that ultimately a, a designer has uh, could, can cause more harm to the world than an entire army through some very simple design decisions and how designers approach it. So everything from how long a washing machine lasts um, I believe a washing machine should last forever and have user replaceable parts as opposed to be replaced every every few years. Um, and so I started off at, at Loughborough University. Um, I got the chance to to work with Eon um, in a live project. And during that project, they asked me to look at generating energy from the sun and from the wind in cities. And the idea was to power streetlights using solar energy and using the wind. Now, what's really challenging, and I realized, is I realized that really to get great um, amounts of renewables, you shouldn't be on the street in a city. You need to be on a rooftop for solar or you need to be in the North Sea with wind. So I failed at E.ON. And really from failing at E.ON and, and being fired from that company, it started my journey into sustainability and seeing how can I make an impact, especially in urban environments. So I've really been a thinker, an entrepreneur, uh, a designer, an engineer, uh, and, and really been fascinated by how do we make our cities uh, more sustainable and better places to live. So tell us a bit about PaveGen then. How does it work? Yes, so PaveGen is a, a floor that generates energy and data from your footsteps. So when you walk, you generate power. So the more people walk in urban environments, the more energy can be generated. It can be used anywhere. It can be used in offices, stadiums, train stations, airports, 
uh, even soccer pitches. So anywhere where there's people walking and moving, we can harness that that kinetic energy um, as people move. So we generate energy and we use it to power things like lighting in urban environments. Um, we can store the energy in batteries and we even use the data to reward people for their impact they've made on climate change. So it's a it's a business that I, I founded um, and, and really was research only back in 2009 for a few years on the side. To date, PaveGen has been installed in over 36 countries with over a billion footsteps on our product to date. So it's been used in some of the busiest airport environments in the world but also being used in, in soccer pitches in Rio de Janeiro, where the energy of people playing a sport turns the floodlights on and keeps them on. So we've got many use cases for our product and we're scaling up and we're through going through a really exciting uh, stage of growth at the moment. And so can you tell us about, is it, is it being used, are your customers ones that are buying this and actually powering their lights or is it being used more as a kind of show technology to show how the technology can work yeah so to kind of go back a bit is you know i i came up with this idea for pave gen and it was really with an early stage technology um a bit like companies like tesla when you first make a prototype it's not possible to have the efficiency you would with something like solar that's had maybe you know a trillion dollars of investment so at the early stages you know my, my first ever project after spending uh, five years researching it I was in a really tough situation. It was a catch 22. Uh, we wanted to install it and get people using the product and no one would buy the product because we hadn't uh, proved it with any other clients and no one would invest because we had no revenue. So with this kind of zero investment and a very, very basic product made from wood and very, very simple, we decided to take matters into our own hands. So what we did is we we first installed it illegally in the South Bank. And what we showed from this installation, this was me at two in the morning, mixing up cement, digging a hole, fixing in the ground and using the energy of people walking um, to power lights. So we used that installation and suddenly we put this story on our website and the next day Westfield Mall phoned us up and Westfield said to us, did you do an installation last night? And we said, yes, we did. And they said, did it work? And we said, yes, it did. They didn't ask us if it was illegal or not. So that was fine. And what we did off the back of it is we they said, look, we'd like to buy it. And we said, OK, that'll be £200,000, please. And Westfield paid for it the next day. So we went from there, we took our technology forward and it allowed us to recruit a team, um, start developing the technology and innovating with it. And so what that's allowed us to do is we've built over 750 prototypes to date. We've increased the efficiency significantly of our product as each stage and each iteration has come by. So over the past few years, we've completed proof of concepts in every single possible location that we use PaveGen in. So it's the, the airports, the offices, the sports stadiums, you know, any of these major locations where people walk in it. And so people have been using it in different ways and we've been experimenting with different ways to use it. Now, what we've realized is that people really love walking on PaveGen. I set out initially to provide an energy technology, but what we realized is to get cheap energy, you should put solar panels in the Sahara Desert. That is always going to be the best bet 
for trying to get efficient, sustainable energy. But what we do is we engage people, we teach people, we're part of that education journey. And I believe the most important aspect of sustainability is educating people and having awareness for it. So paid-in is used to power lighting. It will never be as cheap as solar that has had the, the trillion dollars investment and being put in the Sahara, but it works in local environments, giving you energy where and when it's needed, but also engaging the population in climate change because it's the first step towards making things work properly. So we're not really a pure energy tool and there's far better ways to do it, but we do provide energy where and when you need it with people at the core. And, and that is really our belief as a business. Great. So it it sounds like it, it will often be used in kind of scenarios where you might have a lobby of a hotel where you can where they can kind of show that they're some of their credentials and stuff. Do you ever see it kind of becoming used as, you know, councils putting it into their pavement or, or office providers putting it entirely over their floor to try and provide that energy? Or do you think it will be more a way of engaging with with uh, people? So to date, we've done installations with a number of councils um, and other government municipalities. So some really good use cases include uh, the District Department of Transportation in Washington, D.C. And then recently, our first network rail station um, with Central Bedfordshire Council. So they are our clients. We work with them regularly and we're using the energy to power lighting. Um, so in Washington, D.C., for example, uh, we have 10 hours of people walking a day, maybe 12, maybe more, depending on what time of year it is. And we use that energy to store in batteries and power lights all night long. So we have a number of use cases that are kind of being used for purely energy. But really, it's about I think the biggest impact is around education of people, because you can easily swap to a, a green energy provider. But if you don't tell your consumers about what's happening, there's no point doing it. So we are really the frontline initiative that engages all stakeholders in sustainability because you can now power your building and your footsteps will make that difference. So we really allow people to make a difference in climate change through through their simple act of, of walking. What are some of the biggest barriers you've faced with PaveGen and how have you overcome them? I think some of the biggest barriers we've overcome have been um, aspects of we've created a new product product category. The idea of generating energy from humans is something that's really, really new, aside from a hand crank torch that's been around for a while. So the idea that people's steps can generate power in cities has been this new area where no one's ever thought about it. So I think really innovating and, and building a scalable business model uh, with really you know high growth revenue and all those things you need in a startup um, is something that we've had to do uh, and, and that's been a massive challenge with really educating the market um, and I think you know today you know we've got operations in, in 36 countries and I think building a team to work in so many different geographies uh, is a massive challenge um, and, and look, we've got 4,000 investors and I can talk a lot about those challenges uh, that you can imagine we're having such a wide investor base being such a small company as well. So I think there's definitely uh, many, many areas we can jump into on that. Are there any purpose led businesses other than your own that you're particularly impressed with at the moment? Yeah, so I think that the importance of having a purpose led business has only really uh, become apparent in the past few years. So if you look at businesses like Blue Water that invest uh, a portion of their profit into providing water in Africa, and they've actually put a price on the clean water. And I think it was something crazy like thirty seven dollars 
um, will help to save a child's life from giving better water sanitation. So it's amazing that you know, buying water in a restaurant in London will have that push effect to actually make a really big change in, in other countries is really key. So I think we're seeing more and more business like that. And, and the fact that consumers can change the way they they vote through their purchases. I think we're seeing so many more companies come up now with this as their their really their, the big mission is around sustainability and, and making a um, social impact versus purely uh, corporate capitalism. I think now it's about conscious capitalism and you know, corporate for good as a, a whole area really as well. Mm. What are what are some of the simplest things you think consumers can do to tackle climate change? Yeah, so obviously most of the the greenhouse gas emissions are coming from big um, big industrial players. Um, so I think that the the huge amount of the the biggest quantum in energy saving comes from government. So I think like firstly is is lobbying government, be involved in climate change marches and and any kind of anything around the mass partici participation events is really key and then it's doing your bit so you know things like recycling plastics and everything we know about but conserving conserving energy is is really really key on a domestic level but ultimately it does come down to lobbying big governments and we need to have at the cop event later this year in scotland we need to see some really big results there so we need the community to unite around putting pressure on all of those big international players. So for me right now is the, the the Amazon, the rainforest, you know, think about how much carbon is absorbed by those trees and they're under so much threat at the moment. So we need to, I guess, be united under the, a big theme of how to make the most macro impact possible um, on, on the global carbon cycle. Mm. And have you got any ideas on, on, on what governments should be doing, what kind of uh, policies they should should be rallying around? I think there's so many examples of, of governments uh, putting forward a great policy that works well, almost too well. So uh, in Spain, you know, they had a feed-in tariff for the solar energy that was produced and people flooded to the market and they stopped it and they've just started it again, which means that Spain is one of the best markets in the world to deploy solar energy farms. It's, it's so successful that large pension funds and banks are investing in huge solar arrays through to the, the down to these amazing government subsidies. So the government has the power to increase the uptake of renewables massively for incentives. Um, I, I, I read a, a piece recently that someone bought a Tesla and actually made money from buying the Tesla thanks to all of the government subsidies that were available. And now if, if everyone could buy a Tesla and, and be using uh, electricity powered from renewables to get around for incentives, that would make a big difference. So. I think the next thing we need to start doing is is controlling our plastic consumption and we need to make sure that every time a brand of water is found on the floor the government penalizes that brand because that would use traditional um, capitalist market economics to make that company stop using um, plastic single-use plastic so um, I've been looking at technology called Notpla which is a seaweed um, bag. And so you could get this, this bag of seaweed that is biodegradable and in it you can have a drink. And the idea you can get this capsule and pop the whole capsule in your mouth and then you can eat the seaweed or throw it on the floor and it will degrade. Like, why aren't all bottles degradable like that? So I think we need to use government um, incentives to allow us to um, build out a big platform of, of other more sustainable technologies that do the same thing. 
Who inspires you the most? Yeah, I think that it's cliche and I hate to say it, but I think if you look at the the portfolio of Elon Musk and what that could mean, uh, I think that's really exciting. Obviously, you've got PayPal, SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company, but solar was invented by NASA looking for cheaper ways to have power um, in orbit. And if you think about the challenges they're going to face when they go to Mars, there's a good chance they may invent the next stage of technology that could really shape the way um, that we live in the future. And look, they're already doing it with uh, electric vehicles. So it's cliche and everyone would say that, but I do genuinely feel like it's awe-inspiring uh, the level of innovation that's coming out of, of his businesses. What's been your biggest failure to date? Yeah, I think it's a, a great question. Um, I think for, for someone like myself, you know, I was a student with an idea. Um, I really believed in that idea and it was a really long journey for me. Um, I didn't do an MBA. Uh, I didn't work at a, a large corporation that taught me all about business. I literally started with a piece of wood that kind of generated energy when you jumped on it. Uh, and and now, you know, we're, we're a team of 40 people and and kind of doing lots of really interesting projects. And I made every mistake through that journey. And I, I don't regret any of it because I think that learning from experience is, is really key. So um, it might have been bringing on the wrong investors early on that necessarily didn't fully support uh, my vision. Um, it might have been inventing a slightly different version of our product that in hindsight, I wished I hadn't done. Uh, we even put a light on the floor. So the first version had a light on it and we put it into West Ham tube station. And when you walked on it, it lit up and it was amazing. You could see how people interacted with it. But what we didn't realize is when we put it into West Ham station, women didn't walk on the tile. And we were like, well, why are women not walking on the tile? I mean, what's wrong with the tile? And um, basically we interviewed them and, and they said, we thought there was a camera that would be filming up our dresses as we walked over the pave gen. And uh, so we promptly removed the light in the bottom. And I guess, you know, it was a predominantly male engineering team. We didn't think of it. So, you know, I made a mistake and spent a huge amount of time and energy on this light in the floor. And then we separated it out. So I still think the experience has taught me a lot and I don't regret any of it, but there were definitely some mistakes on the way. Well, that's a great note to end it on and a great piece of advice to your younger self. Make sure that you have a, a female and male team when you're when you're designing uh, early on. But uh, Lawrence Kemble Cook, really good to have you on the uh, show. Thank you very much for joining us.